0: You made me real, even you're listening to the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Charger Basketball. This is Matt Gall here with head coach Mark Figuera. And uh, coach, like we said last week, uh, you last week you were getting ready to head out for your last road trip for the year. That road trip is now complete, which means uh, you're going to be at home the rest of the way. Uh, so that's the good news. The bad news is we got to talk about how last week went. So we had a couple games, one up at Northwestern in our city and then down at Concordia this weekend. And uh, it was a tough week for the guys, uh, you know, up in Northwestern, lost 79 to 69, down in Concordia, uh, 81 to 58. So you can just share what your takeaways were from this last week.
1: Yeah, I, you know, starting with that that first game up at Northwestern, I I really thought we we played a great first half in a lot of ways. I thought from a execution standpoint of what we really wanted to do, uh, we did a good job. We had it, you know, we were down one at halftime was kind of a back and forth first half. Um, and, you know, second half, we came out, they, we actually started on a quick little run, got a four or five point lead. And then they got a couple offensive rebounds, easy scores. And, um, you know, they pushed their lead up to 12 at one point, And, you know, even then, we, we cut it back to six a couple times and got a couple stops and weren't able to convert those to, to cut that lead down anymore. And, you know, all in all, it's, you know, it's disappointing to lose. It's, you know, it's hard to win on the road in this league. I say that about every week, I know. And we did some really good things. They're, they're one of the more efficient offensive teams in the country. And I thought we did a pretty good job of making things hard for them. And they have a, a definite size advantage. They play, you know, two post players most of the time. And I thought we did a good job keeping the ball out of the post, making them work to get it in there, um, and then, you know, making them throw it out quite a bit. And at the end of the day, they just – they made a couple big plays that, that we didn't down the stretch and allowed them to, to keep a 6-8 point cushion uh, most of that second half. And, um, you know, it's, it's frustrating, but at the same time, I thought from a, a game-planning standpoint, from a competing, doing what we needed to do to win, I thought we did a pretty good job. You know, shots didn't fall. A couple loose balls went their way. That you know, if they go our way, maybe things turn out differently. I don't know, but uh, you know, all in all, we 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 did what we needed to to do. I thought, um, you know, and then you look at, at yesterday down at Concordia, and that was it was a disappointing game. I I thought we got out coached. I thought we were outplayed, or throw any verb in there, and really Concordia out whatever you wanted to call us uh, yesterday, and. Started off, we're down in a 10 point hole right away. And that's it, doesn't matter who you're playing when you're playing on the road, that's that's a tough pill to swallow and that's tough to come back from. And we did make a little push in the first half to cut that back down to three. And then you know, they made a run up 12 at half, and second half just didn't go well. And um, you know, it's disappointing, you know, to, to finish on the road like that, 0 and 2, and you know, especially yesterday, just if we're being honest, it wasn't all that competitive of a game. And that's, that's frustrating to me at this time of the year. Cause you know, since really the last month, I thought we'd been playing some good basketball. We've done some really good things and, you know, we've won a handful of games. We've lost a couple in there too, but yesterday was a little bit of an outlier and that I just, I didn't think we were ready to play. Um, I don't think we, we competed at a level to, to win in this league. And, you know, ultimately that falls on me. We've got to do a better job having our guys ready to play. And, uh, you know, at this point now, it's, they're not, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, we can all be be pissed about it and upset about it. And, you know, I am, and I, I know the guys are, but reality is we've, we've got to come back tomorrow at practice and be ready to bounce back and do things we need to do to give ourselves a chance to win. Cause, and the reality is and we're going to talk about it here in a second. It, it doesn't get any easier. Well, yeah, I, I, you
0: know, I alluded to the, the good news is that um, you know, we're at home the rest of the way, but, I guess on the flip side, you know, there's, that doesn't mean a whole lot when you're in a league as competitive as we are. And we'll talk about this week's upcoming game against Dakota Wesleyan here in a minute, but I just wanted to revisit something, you know, that uh, Andrew Gibb talked about last week in terms of how important it is to have a short memory. And that's going to be really important for the the guys, you know, as we head into this last few weeks of the season here, fortunately the next four games and the last four games of the regular season are all at home. So You know, that's a a nice chance to uh, to play, you know, in your own gym, obviously, and make up some ground. We talked about the conference standings kind of being really from two down to eight. It's about two to seven, I suppose. Um, You know, there's only a few games different. So a lot of opportunity to to still do some things in the conference this year. And that all starts this Wednesday, the 27th, when Dakota Wesleyan comes to town. Great rivalry, great matchup every year game I always look forward to and I suppose there's no better time than than now to introduce our guest for the week and this will be our first I think correct me if I'm wrong uh coach coach for or coach Wilber but I think coach Wilber this will be the first time we've had a three-timer guest on the podcast yeah <laughs> so yeah you are walking on uh, hallowed ground here
2: about this. I'm kind of feeling like uh, Alec Baldwin of Saturday Night Live you know they talk about how often <laughs> some of these guys host uh uh, that show. So I, you know, I, I don't know if that's I I don't know if that's a compliment to me or an indictment on you guys about finding guests or whatever that is, but uh, I'm happy to be back. Happy to be back with you guys.
1: Well, I, I got a couple things to add to this. Number one, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to go back and check. I, I think, uh, coach Wilbur now ties Nick Nelson as a three-time guest. And so there's okay. something about being a bald former baseball player that gets you on this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I,
2: I'm a little concerned about, uh, like I, I was tempted to go listen. I can't stand listening to myself talk. So I was tempted to go back and listen, listen to these that I've been on just hopefully to not repeat myself on any stories, you know, because, uh, I, I know we talk about Nick and I know we've talked about baseball, you know, before and, and that might be a topic today with some stuff regarding baseball, but, uh, um, no, uh, I like that you guys do this. I like that you guys have the initiative to do it. It just makes me feel worse about what I do in my office on a daily basis and, <laughs> and promoting our program. So,
1: well, and, and you know, the other thing I was going to add is that, uh, you know, earlier in the year before we played you guys, we had Bobby on the on the podcast. And I, I, like, think- I mean, how, how did that go? Well, you know, as you probably know, Bobby was kind of a regular with us, um, the first year of the podcast when he was a, a student coach for us. And, uh, you know, he did a good job, but the reality is you go back and you listen to that one. And I just don't think that he upheld the mantle of Dakota Wesleyan basketball in this podcast. So we had to go to the top dog again. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Bobby,
2: Bobby takes plenty of bullets in our program, and, mo- and, the, and they're all lighthearted ones. I mean, I, I often joke, the, the harder I am on you, the, the less I mean it. <laughs> Kids, mm-hmm. You know, and, when, I'm, uh, when, I'm, uh, when I'm quiet and uh, just kind of like, hey, I really didn't like that much. That's when I'm at probably my worst. So, uh, but Bobby's the man. He's been great to have for two years. Um, I still joke about you recommending him to me to, to, to do it so we've had to suffer through a couple of things I'm a little easier on him on the food after games if anything doesn't go completely right I haven't I haven't hastings McDonald him yet you know so uh, <laughs> so yeah and that's probably I don't know if that topic's been brought up but that's probably an inside one with you guys
1: so yeah we we, we actually talked about that with Bobby on the podcast and uh, you know it just sometimes when when little things like that happen as you know it it always happens to happen after a, a bad loss and that's what happened that night it was a it was a culmination of a lot of things and you know Shipley and and Bobby took the brunt of my uh, displeasure with pretty much that whole day
2: that funny that your 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 fuse for missed, missed blockouts and missed shots is about as long as a 20 foot rope and then a, a cheeseburger messed up. And it's like a, it's like a bottle rocket with no
1: fuse going off. <laughs> I mean, you get to a point in your life, Wilbs where you just are who you are. And uh, you know, I'm a yeah. guy that likes food.
2: Well, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, I know you guys do top fives and everything, and I, I wish I had some visual aids for this, but I, you know, this just throwing to you, I'd like to see a top five of your hairstyles since you've been at, at, at Briar Cliff. Cause I know where you're at right now. Cause I, I can joke about this cause I have nothing. I've got nothing to do here. I've just straight, you know, like it's just different shades of five o'clock shadow for me on the back of my head. So, uh, but, but you've definitely, you, you went from kind of the bushy haired college looking guy, the, 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 the boutier look from, uh, from uh, remember the Titans <laughs> to now, now, now you're definitely slicking that thing all over the place. And uh, I, you know, I like it. I liked the development of that. So I think I was, I was going to try to, I can't be prepared on this because there's no way I'd be overly prepared, but I wanted to have five visual aids of you, but there were tough pick, There weren't a lot of pictures of you as an assistant coach.
1: Well, um, you know, I think you may be overestimating how many different hairstyles there's been um, at least since I've been coaching. Um, you know, definitely if you go throughout my history, you had the the early 2000s bleach blonde hair, which every uh, you know, every, every kid uh, my age at that time had. I went through a, uh, you know, I, I went through a That's shaved a... head phase. Yeah, I, I went through a shaved that. head I, I phase in know, college. I, I you never told and me then, that. Yeah, and then, you know, kind of what you've talked about here. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you just got to mix it up sometimes, Will. And I, I figure as long as I've got it, Let's, uh, you know, let's have a little fun with it.
2: assuming you met your wife with the bleach blonde phase, That's where I'm assuming at the era
1: that which you met your wife probably, right? Uh, no, she, she came into the picture after. She actually, um, we probably met in my senior year of college, shaved head with big sideburns still face.
2: You must have, with the sideburns, you must have, your charm must have been a factor then.
1: Yeah, it must have been because it wasn't. It wasn't the look. I, you know, you look back sometimes and and you you live and learn when you make uh, mistakes or do stupid things in life. Well, let's. Uh, I don't have
2: any of those. I don't have any of those. So go ahead. Yeah, sorry, sorry to sidetrack it. I was gonna
0: say, uh, my job here is to keep this thing on track as best I can. We got to talk about the game this week, and then we can move on. Certainly, but uh, real quick, I wanted to uh, get your guys's uh, first look thoughts on the upcoming matchup this Wednesday, the twenty seventh. Uh, here at Briarcliff. You know, Coach Wilbur, you guys are, are 14 and four, 10 and three in the conference, lost three of your last four, but uh, still putting together a nice season. You have five guys averaging double digits. One, I guess, is right under, but, um, you know, a lot of balance kind of like Briarcliff. And traditionally, we've, the two programs have kind of mirrored each other in a lot of ways. So I'll start with Coach Wilbur. Um, you know, what, what, it like to come play Cliff on an annual basis and what are the types of things you typically know you have to prepare for?
2: It, the, I talk about this a lot in our league and, and we're fortunate at Dakota Wesleyan to have um, some really cool rivalries, you know, and, and, and the neat thing about the G pack is most of these, most of them are very good spirited. You just don't see um, a lot of vindictive, angry, you know, chippy stuff that you might see, um, I don't think any of us have an Ohio state, Michigan type thing going on. Now you get into the Northwest Iowa's versus each other. That's different, but ours, um, you know, it, they've all been fun and we've been lucky to do that now the programs have been good. So that leads to that, you know, like if Briar cliff and Dakota Wesleyan aren't any good, that who cares? You know, like that us, us being competitive, make those rivalries better. But yeah, you know, there my first couple of years, we really looked a lot alike, you know, we, we were firing shots from all angles, um, games were played in the nineties. And now typically if they're in the nineties, Briar cliff is the only one there. And, and, it, uh, that's just how it's been. But, uh, um, you know, getting ready for getting ready for Briar cliff is always a nightmare. You know, you're just, you know, the, um, there's things that you can do. And then a lot of times it comes down to, well, we did it, but they still made it, you know, like, um, uh, so they, you know, just, you, you know, you look back in it and I know that you guys have probably talked about it, but us in the outside world, we know how efficient their offense has been. I mean, you look at them, what they've done offensively the past number of years, and you're not just talking in the NEIA division too. You're talking all levels of basketball. Um, one of the most efficient offenses in the country, um, at any level statistically. And, and, uh, when you do that for a year, um are two years in a row, that's pretty cool. And that might have to do a lot with uh um with one or two people in your program. But when you do it seven, eight, nine years in a row, um, that's a program and that's and that's an offensive system that is getting executed by your players and coached really well by your coaches. So um uh highly efficient team, uh very competitive team. You know you know that you're gonna you know that you're gonna get guys that care you're going to know that you're going to get guys that don't quit, um, it, regardless if they're five foot two or six foot eight, which, you know, it seems sometimes they span all those inches every once in a while. Um, they, the, but they, uh, yeah, you just know that you're going to get a highly competitive team that's capable of ringing up points in a very, very quick fashion. And it's one of those where they could be sitting at 15 for a long time. Just, I pick a number out. And like can't make a shot. And then you look up two minutes later and you're down 15 um, because they haven't missed a shot in the last seven possessions. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's that's the kind of team that they are. Um, and uh, I credit them this year. Noah, and I know Mark and we talk a lot, but defensively, they've gotten a lot better um, uh, as well. So you used to be in a horse race to the to the finish line of like, hey, I hope we have the ball last um, and uh, see what happens. And that's not how it is right now. They compete their butts off and, and play hard. So, like Mark was saying early on, you play in this league, um, home and away games regardless, um, Briarcliff's going to be a tough game for you. And playing down in, uh, playing down in Flanagan, man, that's a that's tough place.
0: Coach Figueroa, same question to you.
1: You know, I, I, I would echo a lot of what, of what Coach Wilbur said there about, you know, the rivalry. And, and I think, you know, if you look at Dakota Wesleyan, they've definitely tweaked some things in how they played over the last couple of years where, you know, we used to be very, very similar. Um, and in some ways we still are, but, you know, you look at some of their games this year, they're, they're playing maybe a few less possessions. They're going to, they're really good defensively. Um, they're long, they're athletic, they're strong, and they really make you work to score. And, and they, they make you grind out possessions to get good looks. They make you grind out games. And, you know, I think if you looked at their, their record this year, and you actually looked at the scores of their games, uh, they've been really, really good in close games. And that's, you know, when you're good in close games, I, I, I really think you've got something going there um, because it's, it's easy to win by 15. You know what I mean? Like, if you win by 15, you probably led most of the game. Um, but when you win a game by three, four, five, you know, there's a lot of big-time possessions down the stretch of games like that. And that's where – they've been really good this year for the most part um, you know, that they, they present problems with their size for us. They'll post multiple guys that multiple guys who can shoot it from the perimeter. Um, and they just, they move the ball really well. It's always moving. There's always something going on. And I, I always feel like, and we, we always talk to our guys, the second you relax, the second you don't communicate when a screen's happening or a cuts happen that's the moment you're going to get scored on, or you're going to give up a really easy look. And, and so, it's a game where you, you've just got to be dialed in one defensively from the get-go because you know coach Wilbur, if he likes a set, he will run it over and over and over and over and over again at you, um, which they did the first time we played. And uh, you know, so you've got to be ready to, to, to guard that. You've also got to be ready to adjust if what you're doing is not working. And then offensively, you have to be willing to, to work for possessions to work for great shots. And um, you know, we definitely, we like to shoot early if we can. If we can get a good look early, we always want to take that look. Um, but at the same time, you can't settle for tough shots early on in a, in a game against a good defensive team like Dakota Wesley. So, again, that game
0: will be this Wednesday. The women will play at 6 o'clock in the Newman-Flanagan Center. The men will play at 8 o'clock. Uh, coach, I assume tickets are still working the same way they worked the last several weeks. Buy them online, or has that changed?
1: No, nope, everything's the same as it has been. Um, as of now, there are still tickets available. I know that's been uh, – that link's been open, I believe, since Thursday. Um, so my, my guess is in the next 24 hours, that's probably gonna sell out. We're recording this Sunday morning. So um, my guess is it'll sell out. And so if you haven't got tickets yet, you better do it ASAP.
0: All right, there you go. So now that that's out of the way, we can get to the real business here. And we alluded to uh, Coach uh, Beach Patterson, Bobby Beach Patterson, And oh, Coach Wilbur, if you're aware but he sparked a little bit of a controversy on the podcast earlier this year. Did you happen to listen to
2: that episode? Docker? No, I didn't. I didn't catch okay. it. I didn't catch it. I'm sorry. So I can't right. wait to hear about it.
0: No. Yeah. So just to fill you in, we, uh, we did some like quick fire either or things where we threw some options, uh, at him and he had to pick one on the spot. And one of those choices was Newman Flanagan center or the corn palace. And we left that pretty, pretty open-ended and, uh, you could tell he was having an internal struggle with that. And he ultimately landed on the Corn Palace as the uh, better venue, which wow. obviously, as an alum and as a guest on our podcast, you know, we took some offense to that. But what I want to ask you isn't necessarily, you know, whether or not he did the right thing in terms of of a political nature. But I have to ask, since you're his boss, you know, I assume you look at the guys on your staff and the people on your staff and loyalty is probably a quality that's pretty important to you. And, uh, you know, do you see that as a sign of loyalty because he stuck with his current employer or is that a break from loyalty because he completely threw Briar Cliff under the
2: bus? That's pretty tough. And, and, uh, uh, for him, he, he'd talk about being in a tough spot. Now, now there's a, now a lot of unbiased people say, you know, you're not talking to Briar Cliff or Dakota Wesleyan. Um, there's a lot of people that would, and I think anybody would agree with this, that the Corn Palace is probably a top five venue in the country in the NEIA. Just, you know, like if you're talking attendance and and that kind of stuff, and we're lucky to be there. But but as much as Bobby hears about loyalty and, you know, how to do this the right way, um, you know, and, and what I preach, um, I could definitely see him, uh, his heartbeat probably going up, going, boy, coach Wilbur's going to hear this. You know, you just see, you know, you could just see it ticking in him, uh, ticking in him that way because our guys, we, you know, you talk about that when you're a coach. Um, I think, I think the number one trade of an assistant coach at the college level, and it's probably at any level is what your loyalty is to your coach. Because if you've got any kind of problems there um, with your assistant coach and worried about that, I'm talking, you cannot function because that person has a connection to the players. That person has a con- connection to other people in the public. And if you don't trust that, because loyalty and trust are the same, you know, with stuff, you, you're in trouble. And and Bobby exemplifies that for us, man. He's he's the man that way. Um, so I could see him. I could see him answering at that. But this year, um, it's tough because the Corn Palace, man. You know, like we played one of our games. We played Concordia earlier this year, and they were obviously in the championship game in the GPAC tourney with us last year, and that was a sellout. And we we can fit 3,200 people in there. And uh, we, with our COVID restrictions, we had less than 200. So um, it's a it's an empty it's an empty building. It's an empty building right now. So uh, that's been tough this year. Yeah, and but I yeah I, can,
1: yeah I can say too. You know, even when we played, I don't think your restrictions were overly restrictive at the time but even so i mean you just when you go to the corn palace you're used to a big time crowd and and you know it was a good crowd still but it's not the same and and there's certain places in in the conference um and certain opponents we play that you just expect that packed house big time atmosphere um and there's other places where you don't get that as much um so when you go to the places where you're used to big crowds and you don't have it it's it's almost a a little bit of a letdown uh, you know, because that, that makes it so fun, win or lose. Playing in those kind of games is, is so much fun. And, and those, are, those are the kind of games that I think the kids remember down the road. Um, you know, even if you lose a close game, you know, you can't tell me that every kid that was suited up two years ago at your place doesn't remember a packed house with a bat flying through.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's no
1: doubt about it. No doubt about it. Those are yeah. the fun games. And and, and that's been a, a frustrating part of, of COVID this year. Um, and on the flip side of that, I, I, I'll i say one more time, you know, we're playing basketball and you look at our league, there's been very few disruptions. Um, I know for us, I mean, at this point, we're, we're scheduled to have played 21 games as of today. We played 21 games. One was rescheduled, um, you know, so – at the, at the end of the day, I'm really happy that we're playing basketball and then our conference and the schools in our league have made it work. Um, but there's certain games where it's just a little bit of a letdown in terms of what you're used to.
2: Yeah, um, you know, like just to reiterate that for guys remembering it, um, I, I, it just gives me just a great tingling joy in my stomach to go to the Concordia website and see all the pictures of them celebrating the conference championship in the Corn Palace. I just – there's nothing that just makes me feel better than watching that and so I mean we've made their we've made Concordia's banner pictures on their website I mean I I don't know how many I've seen of them holding trophies and the nets cutting down so I'm sure that you know like that's that's pretty typical for athletes to remember stuff like that I'm glad we were able to provide that for the Bulldogs.
0: So I gotta ask about one other memorable thing and you've been I'm sure asked about this to death over the course of the last year So we're not going to harp on on one very memorable thing that happened in your gym. Um, But for the benefit of our listeners, I do need to just really quickly fill them in. Uh, You were caught on on a game film uh, sitting down after, uh, you know, calling out something and uh, your chair somehow disappeared. Uh, from wherever it was when you stood up, and so you took a spill right onto the floor. It was caught on camera. It made the rounds on the internet. Um, like I said, I'm sure you've been asked about that a hundred billion times. What I want to ask is, what was it like after the fact, with all of the media attention? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Sports Center reached out to you. Tell us about what was it like to kind of have your 15 minutes of fame for something that wasn't necessarily as graceful or glorious as you might have uh, liked.
2: Anybody that knows me well knows that's exactly what I would be famous for. Is something regarding that? That's like if 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 something like that would happen, that would be I would be the guy with that happening too. Um, but yeah, like it was just. I mean, I can remember it plain as day. I I blame one of my friends' dads who was all because. I stand up and yell at the refs the whole game and I'm walking up and down and I hate sitting down. And earlier that year, he said, why don't you just sit down and shut up? That's what he said to me. And I'm like, no, that's probably a good piece of advice. And this is how that turned out for me. So it was, it was completely, um, I'm a, I'm a standing up and I call out a set and we have our chairs, one, two, three, four, all the way down. And I'm in chair one. And somehow I thought chair one was in the position of chair zero and <laughs> chair zero is where I just completely sat down. And I'm just, I'm very thankful that I wasn't upset sitting down because sometimes I'll sit down and throw myself back into my chair and, in disgust or frustration. Had I done that, I would have went into the bricks of the stage right behind us. And I Ooh. probably, this wouldn't be a very funny story. It'd be, Hey, coach dies throwing himself, committing suicide into, into the bricks of his own gym. So the, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, so I, the first thought was like, you gotta be kidding me. Um a Mount Marty player. Couldn't believe it. The coach that I just chewed his butt for is over across from me in tears, laughing because he saw it. And there's high school girls sitting on the stage behind me. They don't know what to do. They're like, do we laugh at coach Wilbur, you know, like here. And then a bunch of my former players were sitting in our student section and they were losing it. They saw it all happen. And, and when I got done, I was like, you know what, there might be an off chance that the camera wasn't pointed at me. And my assistant coach B- coach Jacob Randall assured me right away that that wasn't the case. And it was perfect. So <laughs> yeah. I, I jumped on it and tweeted it out right away. Cause I knew I was going to suffer for it. Um, I had no intentions of it going viral the way it did. But I tweeted it out and within 15 minutes Rex Chapman had retweeted it within an hour Barstool sports had caught it and and I went to practice and we had a shoot around on that Sunday and an hour and I and I had a DM from SportsCenter Center asking if they could use it and and I proceeded to make the not uh, not top 10 for a month straight I was undefeated for a month straight and was number one so yeah that was uh that was, that was it. And I think, uh, I think that tweet got like, I don't four to 5 million impressions, you know, like it was, um, and of course my guys are ticked at me because that's, you know, like everybody wants to go viral for something. And I, and I, you know, like that, my guys are like, of course you can't find your seat and you go viral. (laughs) So they, it was just another thing to be mad at coach Wilbur about. So, um, but yeah, man. So the amount of times I've heard, Hey, at least you found your chair. And you know what, what am I supposed to do? Say, you know, criticize somebody for it, man. I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to live with that forever, but you know, um, I'm just, again, I'm, you know, I'm glad I was able to do it in the public eye and look like a bonehead right there. But the people that know me are just like, well, of course that would have happened.
1: I, I remember this very, very well. There was a Saturday conference tournament game. Um, our season was over at the point at that point. And you text it to me, you text me the video. And said i'm gonna own this and put it on twitter so you know you got to give yourself some credit for just owning up to that and, and putting it out there but i want you to know that i i did my part because i sent that to literally everybody as soon as you sent it to me <laughs> yeah. like pe- 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 people i know that would have no clue who you are i was sending <laughs> that to everybody yeah um, so yeah i, I want to take credit for at least like 50 or 60 of those uh millions of impressions because i i did my part and you know, there's something to be said for the fact that I never sit down. The amount of coaches, see, like, I couldn't retweet
2: or uh, comment to every comment that I got, you know, because that the amount of comments that that thing got and the amount of times, you know, like, it got retweeted with a comment. um, This is why I never sit down. This is why I never sit down. I was just very concerned that more, like, maybe there were other videos of me out there that could have resurfaced at this point now. Like, oh, you think this one's good? And so I'll always be thankful that I uh, that I went to college at a time where uh, cell phones and videos just weren't uh, weren't in existence. So, um, yeah, I mean, what a moron. I mean, I I don't know what else to say As a moron. When I sat down, I can still remember feeling before I hit the ground and I'm lucky I didn't break my tailbone or something. I mean, I don't I don't have a lot of padding or extra protection on my backside. So, like, I'm lucky that nothing worse happened out of this. Um, but I remember before I hit going, this isn't what should be happening on the action that I just physically performed. There should have been a restriction at some point when I got to 90 degrees with my, uh, with my uh, leg joint. So yeah, there, the, it wasn't good. I popped back up and we're like, Hey, and the problem was we were right in the middle of a conference game. Mount Marty had swept us that year was the start of the game. So I was already a little agitated and I'm like, I looked at Brandel. I'm like, Brandel, And he goes, yeah, bro. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, I just missed my chair guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The underrated part of the whole video, this is my last comment on it. The underrated part of the video is actually Brandel's reaction because it's almost a little delayed and I think he's in shock and there's like this three second delay and then he kind of checks to see if you were okay. I always kind of
2: got a kick out of Brandel's reaction. You know, I, I technically, because I'm working for him, have to show some kind of concern, but I really don't care. That was kind of what his response was.
1: Let's, uh, you know, just talk about your team a little bit, Wilbs. I mean, like we said, you know, you guys are sitting in second place in the league, um, had a great start to the year um, and all that. But just, you know, where you're at, how things are going, all that kind of stuff. You know, like uh, uh, w- which
2: was said before, we've lost three or four um, and, uh, you know, all on the road and, and we had won some close games. So there, you know, like our team, you know, when you win games early and, and we started off, you know, we had a 13 game winning streak and some of those games we played very, very well, obviously you got to play well to win, but, uh, but I, a handful of those games, four to five of those games were coin flip games. You know, they you know, if a, a possession goes this way or that way, and I mean, a possession, Um, we're talking about losses and we could, we could have six, seven, eight, nine losses in the league just as easily as us having three. And so, and you know, the, the line and you know, this um, and this isn't, I hate coach cliches. So I, I say them and I mean them when I say them. So I try not to use them, but how small that line is between winning and losing um, is so small, but when you win them, Versus losing them, it feels like the Grand Canyon between them when you're on the losing end, you know, like when you win them, it's a very, it's a very fine line. But when you're on the losing end, um, you know, it's, it's really big and you start hammering out all the things that could have went wrong. And when you win them, you're like, well, boys, we're lucky we're not talking about this. You know, we can move on. We're not talking about this in a loss. And you can and you move on. And sometimes that will mask um, issues. So uh, you know, I, it's, it's been an interesting year. I think every coach probably has used the term interesting, weird, different. You know, I mean, you, the, the superlatives you could throw out there and the adjectives you could use to describe what we've gone through is, is different. I will be honest with you. I think everybody in my rotation at one point and not anymore, but at one point could have quit basketball in the preseason or going into it and could have given it up based on just the uneasiness and the uncertainty, um, and the discomfort of what this year was going to bring. And it was driving them crazy. And so there's been a lot of, a lot more emotional, mental, um, discussion pumped into this year than in years past. And I credit our guys for handling it well, but you know, we went for two months, just like you guys did where we didn't have school and there's no classes going on and our guys are coming to practice and going back to their dorm room and staring at walls and staring at video games and the screen. So um, it, it's just been a very different year for that. Um, but yeah, we uh, we've been plugging along here and we'll see what we're made of. And it obviously gets a lot easier going, you know, we finally can take a deep breath because we get to go to Briar cliff, you know, and that's always such an easy place to play and win basketball games. So, and, and the sarcasm couldn't be any thicker when I say that out loud. So, uh, we knew what we were got coming. We had a very tough end of the schedule here. Um, our second half was tough. Um, I've been joking like everybody. It feels like it feels like Corey Wester is adding games to our schedule for what we've got left and what everybody else has left. I feel like we've got we've got almost half of our season left, and people are talking about having three or four games left is all. And so we got a lot. We
1: got a long way to go. Yeah, and that's you know and. Wilds and I were texting about that last night. You know, they have 7 games left where we have 4. There's a couple teams with 3. Um it just it's blame COVID, blame how the schedule it's, fell. It's just been a it's strange just
2: unbelievable. Yeah, it's very unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So it is. So uh Wilds, I'm going to throw something at you. This is this is unscripted and I was planning on doing this but didn't tell you on purpose. We played at uh at Northwestern on on Wednesday as you know, and coach Corver and I were just talking about you know, some of the players that had been at Northwestern, I've been around the league for a long, long time, um, and played against a lot of those good Northwestern teams back then. But anyway, in addition to our starting five today, I've got a subcategory of this, which is since your time at Dakota Wesleyan, you're going to pick the starting five Briar cliff team. And I'm going to pick the starting five Dakota Wesleyan team.
2: All right. All right. Uh, I don't think this is overly, well, it is difficult because you got to pare it down. I mean, you're talking about two programs that have had, I mean, well, if you combine our programs and the number of All-Americans we've had, you can't combine two other programs and find more All-Americans in the past seven, eight years.
1: That, and, that's and 100% you, true.
2: Yeah, yeah, you, you're not going to, because I think, I think in the last eight years, we've probably had the most All-Americans of anybody in the country, um, and we've had six first teamers and you know like we've had a lot of players and you guys just have you guys have racked them up too. So um I would like <laughs> to I would I, I would like to do two different starting fives. I can't do it because that would be for a different podcast of my favorite Briarcliff players for a number of different reasons. And then the 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 performance base. But um I would I'm I'd go uh you want me to start you want
1: me to start rattling these guys well, if, you want me to go by position? How do you want me to do this? this? This is 100% your call. If you want me to go first, because I've already thought about it. Um, so I, I'm actually ready to go first. It might give okay. you an extra second okay. to think about it. Yeah, if you, go, only, uh, you go first then. The only disclaimer to this is I am omitting all current players. They have to be former players at this point. So my Dakota Wesleyan starting five since the 13-14 season. I've got Tate Martin at the point guard. I've got, I've got Trey Berg at the two. I've got Ty Hoagland at the three. One of my all-time favorite opponent players ever.
2: 110 to Briar Cliff. Just with that lineup, we're we're giving up 110 points right out of the gates. That's you, our starting spot. Continue but, but, to go. <laughs> but you might score
1: 111 too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so then I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to the five, and it's Jalen Voss. Um, he was he's been one of the elite big guys in the G pack ever, in my opinion. And I I struggled at the four spot a little bit. Cause there's some options and it depends on which route you want to go, but I'm, I'm going with Jason Spicer as the four, which he played the five for you. Um, it might not make our best defensive lineup, but that is 120. Be a, now we're at <laughs> 120. That is going to be an <laughs> offensive machine right there. So that that's my Dakota Wesleyan starting five the last eight years. We're running a lot of pick and rolls in that
2: group. We're just, the, the continuous ball screen offense, which Jalen Voss ran my first, but like I used to ride him because he led the nation in double doubles the year before I got there as a sophomore. And then the next year I couldn't get him to get five rebounds a game. And I'm like, you know, I look like a moron here as a coach and you can't get a rebound and he would blame it on everybody else. They rebound better and the guards don't just throw shots up for me to go get like they used to. So um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, I was, once you picked the first four and then you ended with Spicer, I would have definitely thrown Luke Bamberg in there because I would have been like, we got to have somebody to try to guard somebody on Briarcliff's team. Yeah. Uh, He he was in consideration for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, being a defensive player of the year in the conference would have helped that group. But, but I can't argue with any of your picks. All those guys, all those guys were really good. And um, every one of those guys you named was a first team all American and either the player of the year or the runner up player of the year in the conference. So yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Um, gosh, your group, man, dude, like I, I, uh, it's going to be hard, you know, like I'm, I'm speaking out loud here and speaking like while I'm collecting thoughts, but Erdman, Lamb, uh, Wolf Forbes are probably hard not to go at the one, two, three, and the four, you know, like just any, anywhere, anywhere you put those guys. Um, uh, Five, just because he's got a beard and he about ripped our rim off of the hoop one game. It'll you know, like uh, there's just stuff about that guy that I've always liked and, and, uh, and, and how he plays. And so, but by position, you guys have had, you guys have had one twos and threes um, running through that program these last, you know, seven years that are just uh, that are just remarkable. Um, but uh, off the top of my head, guys, that just give me headaches. Uh, that that would have to be, that would have to be my probably starting five. Where am I wrong there? Where would I be wrong? Would I if I went too quick and I didn't think about it long enough?
1: No, I, I mean I think you're gonna start with Erdman, Wolf, Lamb, Forbes. I mean those guys are all multiple time All Americans. Um, you know
2: Clay Harold Her- senior year. Um, you know the uh, as an honorable mention. You know the, uh, that guy. Um, that guy was really tough to guard Um, because if you just made a mistake on him on any defensive possession, um, he was just one of those guys that could have cut off his route at any point. And it it felt like he was standing in a gym by himself shooting. And you're like, and and your goal was to stay locked on his hip the entire time. Um, What drove me crazy about that lineup that I named off is we could guard stuff all day long and and be ready to guard all your ridiculous actions that are so frustrating to watch you run and try to guard. But then you could just put Erdman at the one and just run a ball screen for him. And um, we were like, we would have needed a foreign language to English dictionary uh, for our guys to explain what a ball screen was and how to guard it. Like that's how, that's how, much it put us into shock and disbelief of how to guard a middle pick and roll um, because of how good he was on that. I think we were whipping you guys. Well, it felt like we were whipping you guys um, down there a few years ago with him. And, and we ended up getting beat by 10 and you just went strictly to middle pick and rolls. And um, I don't, I had a new definition of helpless after that game. I, I redefined the word helpless after that game.
1: Yeah. I, I remember the game you're talking about. And I mean, that was, one of the many times in his career where, you know, you just, it was easy for me to see. It was probably easy for anybody to see that that light bulb went on with Eric and he was not going to lose. And that's, that's what made him so special. Not just being on on that next gear when he really needed to. And and he was just going to go win you a basketball game.
2: This isn't any criticism of you guys or your coaching staff, but my seven-year-old could have coached that game down the stretch. You know, like he could have just been like, Um, Eric, go ahead, man. And, and and we could have, you know, we tried to run multiple people at it. And then obviously when you run away from, um, I'm pretty sure you could pull out guys in the blue crew and they would shoot 45% from the three on any given night in that place. And, and that's what it was. If you ran away from anybody, um, shots were going to go in.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's, I, I'll tell you this much. I would pay to watch those two fives play each other. Um, that would be, uh, and
2: Forbes is on Forbes is really frustrating because obviously he was tremendously talented and he's really good. Um, but he had 35 against us one night. Great game. He airballed five shots. Like he airballed five shots in the game and he banked and missed the hoop one time. And he had, and he was in complete control of the game. I'm like, how does this happen? You know, like, like it those are things that are frustrating to watch the other night, the other time of frustrating with Forbes, I think he probably had 19 rebounds in our place um, Mm -hmm. one night. And, and uh, when you're standing next to Brian Forbes, there's just no physical reason that guy should be getting 19 rebounds. It's true. That's it. Sorry, Brian. I mean, I like, I, I, I came in here with the intent of being able to throw one jab at him. Like I came in here with the intent, like I got to throw something at Forbes and I'm glad I was able to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: as you should,
0: too. All right, well, Coach, that was kind of an off-the-cuff starting five, but I did send you a planned starting five, which I think you sent to Coach Wilber. And uh, I I had this idea, and generally I'm tasked with coming up with the starting five category. And I had this idea because um, I recall that Coach Wilber had a baseball career once upon a time. And uh, one of the most important aspects of playing the game is having a good hype song or a good walk-up song to accompany you as to the plate. So I thought for this week we would go with our starting five for best hype songs, locker room songs, walk-up songs, I guess, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, that's the category for this week.
2: I, I like where you're going. And, and, uh, um, I, uh, I thought about this and, and, and the five, you know, I've got a four or five here. Um, they've all got a backstory in my world. Um, uh, you bring up baseball, and this is this wasn't this wasn't terribly is is the is the name Chase Vanderfeen or am I saying this right? Does does that ring a bell, Mark? Is Briar Cliff, former baseball player? Did I say that right? Yeah, am I so, completely wrong? Yeah, so I- so
1: so Chase was actually an all conference basketball player um, for uh, when when Nick Nelson was the assistant, Todd Berry was the head coach. Chase was a really good player; could really shoot it. Um, and I, he may have played baseball for a year at Briarcliff, but I, I know he is a good baseball player. And,
2: and, uh, and uh, when I found out he was from Briarcliff um, and that he knew you, then it made it even worse. So like, I was like, <laughs> oh, of course, that's how those stories all go. Now I, I was probably 40 years old or 38 years old when it happened. So my velocity maybe was down. It was probably, it probably looked like a change up to him um, coming in there anyway. So, uh, I, I that that when you said the walk-up songs, I just thought about um, I've given up a couple of home runs to Briar Cliff, and if we got two <laughs> seconds, I'll tell you this story because this was Augie Briarcliff Cliff baseball um, back in the early nine or in the late 90s. Um, Briar Cliff was really really good, really good. Um, they came to Augie, and I was looking at their stat sheet, and they had a catcher and a first baseman, um, and they both had. 20 plus home runs on the season. And in a college baseball season, that's, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, But these guys absolutely whipped us in the doubleheader, And I happened to be, I happened to pitch and relieve in the second game I was playing first base and I was our our only left-handed pitcher at Augie um, and uh, at the time. And so I'm out on the mound and uh, this is great. This is a great compliment to me. I'm just getting lit up. I'm getting lit up. Guys are just hitting balls all over the place. There's zero reason for me to still be in the game and I give up a bomb or something. And there was kind of a lunatic kind of wild left fielder who for whatever reason was yelling at me, the whole doubleheader. And I never, I still don't get it. I'd be in the batter's box and I could hear this guy yelling at me and yelling expletives at me at certain points. I'm like, what is going on? I'm just, I'm losing my mind here. And he comes up to bat in this inning and he's getting ready. He's doing his waggle. And he's slowly moving the bat over the m- plate and saying to me, don't throw it here. Don't throw it here. And he's holding his bat right there. And there might have been a few F-bombs at me. And I'm a freshman. And I'm like, what What am I into? Where is Briar Cliff for the first thing? Like, I had no idea where Briar Cliff was at. And as stupid as that sounds. And I'm like, "What? Did, what did I get into? Well, as it turns out, I threw it right there and <laughs> this ball shoots back over my head kind of where I felt like I had to duck and it went over the fence in center field <laughs> and if you've been to rock and field at Augie that's 400 plus feet and I was like what is going on so my coach comes out of the dugout does he's he'd never said much he was kind of he, he was a great coach but he didn't say much and he's coming out to get me I'm finally like thank you thank you. And I can get out of here. Comes out, looks at me and goes, Wilts slaps me on the butt. We don't have anybody else to come in. So you're just going to have to ride this one out. And he walks <laughs> back to the dugout and I'm like, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. I think I gave up two more home runs and you know, like in a college and in college baseball, as any college baseball player knows you have one bad outing, your ERA is going to be through the roof for the rest of the year. So I was like, yeah. So there's Briarcliff baseball for me. So um, the the Briarcliff Matt Wilbur baseball story, 0 and 2, lots of lots of uh, home runs, and uh, don't throw it there, and you did it. So <laughs> let's go to the let's go
1: to the top five walk ups. <laughs> I will start, and I was not a baseball player, so these are just kind of pre-game pump-up songs, whatever you want to call them. Um, but so I was. I was I would start with the point guard position because as we both know, if you don't have a great point guard, you're not going to have a great team. Um, so, uh, my, my point guard in the, in the pump up songs is hit em up by Tupac and we can't, uh, we can't really talk about that song on the podcast yeah. too much, yeah. but yeah. Uh, by, by the reaction, everybody here knows what that song is. And so yeah. there you go. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, in the baseball world, uh, in the baseball world, so the the walk-up songs uh, coming out of the bullpen or coming up to the plate, uh, you know, this really started to take off when I was in college. You know, so this is uh, walk-up songs really started to hit things um, in Major League Baseball, and obviously it just trickled down, and so it trickled down to us. Now, so I, mean, I don't have a specific song, but pretty much anything AC/DC um, for walk up, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. You're, you know, you're thunderstruck. Um, you sometimes have to clip a little bit into it, which walk up guys, you know, like I'll talk about that in a second. Um, you got, you got to clip your spot where you want to do it. Um, you want to clip your spot where you want to do it. So you got to go in a little bit. Some of them you can start, um, hell's bells, uh, is a good one when is a good one coming at, uh, uh Trevor Hoffman from San Diego from the Padres. That was his, that was his come in. And, and uh, there's a, there's a – ACDC, a is a classic one. So that was my leadoff. You know, that was my leadoff. If you're ever struggling for a walk up song and you're just like, I don't know what to go with, find something in the ACDC world. You're going to be all right.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's a little foreshadowing to uh, one of my others. So, all right. Um, all right. So I, and then I, I always go from point guard to post player. Um, and my, my post players rave on. That's obviously a very Cliff centric thing. Very Briarcliff. Um, Yep. You know, that's our, that's our pregame song when we come out of the locker room. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of history behind that and there's our post player
2: history on that. Uh, one of my best friends in basketball, Nate Tibbetts, and I don't know if anybody here knows who Nate Tibbets is, but, um, he was down and he, uh, his dad coached, um, his dad coached at, uh, was it Dakota Valley or would it have been called something different, but he used to go to Briarcliff games all the time when he was living down there and, and, uh, when when they were rocking and rolling in the in the late eighties
1: and wasn't it being played then? Like wasn't was, like when did yeah, this song that's, come that's, out? That's, like when, Yeah, to my to the best of my knowledge, um, you know, the song itself was on the the soundtrack to Cocktail, the movie, which is a phenomenal movie and a even more phenomenal soundtrack. Um but uh you know they started playing it when the team came out. And, you know, it kind of became a big thing in the Flanagan Center. Everybody's on their feet, The place is rocking, people are clapping. And, you know, it was kind of a – it was a Coach Nackey thing. Um, you know, then fast forward when, when Todd Berry came to Briarcliff, I think he tried to get it going a little bit and it didn't – it just didn't go over well, whatever. And then uh, it was – oh, it had to be five years ago or so now, maybe six, that uh, Coach Nackey passed away uh, right before our season started. And, uh, you know, so we, we talked a lot about coach Naki with the guys and the tradition and the history and all the things he did for the program. And, and Nick and I decided we need to bring Rayvon back. And, uh, you know, I am i I'm a sucker, I'm a sucker for history. I'm a sucker for tradition. So we just kind of rolled with it. And that's something that, uh, you know, shoot, we have it on shirts sometimes. And it's just kind of embodies the, the, the past, the present and the future of the program. Um, and that's, you know, it's a tribute to, to a lot of people that have been a part of this program from way back when
2: that's a, that's good. That's good. So, well, uh, uh,
1: my next one, all of
2: mine, all of mine, most of mine come with some form of a story here. So we were playing baseball down, we were playing baseball down South. And this one I heard as a walk up and it was perfect. Um, it was, we we're, I don't even remember the team we were playing, but we we're playing at their place and their three hole hitter, um, I remember him as being five, two, he was probably five, six, um, but he was completely shredded in like this five, six, 220 pound little meathead. And he came up to bat and the place went bonkers. And, uh, his, uh, his name was, his name was Boomer Jones or something like that. But his first name was Boomer and, uh, his walk-up song, I, th- I think it was the out there brothers and it was boom, boom, boom. And so like, He came up, and it's boom, 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 and let me hear it say way and this place just goes nuts, and like, and they just are ringing it through, and the dude hits a bomb, and I'm like, this guy's the king of wherever we're at, you know, and so um, the Out There Brother, is that even the right group? I don't even know if I think that's right. You know the song, right? Yeah, I had that on. I had a jock
0: jams CD that that was on.
2: (laughs) But it's definitely jock jams all the way. Um, but that, that one, and I don't like to indict myself here, but that one made it to college parties, you know, in the basement, there was one place we'd go and they had a, they had speakers set up and a microphone up in a, in a room and place would be rocking down low in the basement. And we could, you could stop any music playing and just start that song and play the intro to it. And then everybody's going nuts and whatever, but I'll never forget. I'll never forget that dude coming up there. And he was a sawed off stocky baseball player and he hit tanks and he walked up to boom, boom, boom. And his name was boomer. Well,
1: that's, that's a good story.
2: Yeah. It um, was fun to watch him hit a home run against us as well. I think I yeah, came I in that game. Was. I think I came. I think I came in to get in that game again to get a lefty out specifically. And I walked him on four pitches and came back out of the game. So there's that's another highlight highlight of my athletic career that you can put in that one. So <laughs> So go ahead. So, come on. I'm sorry.
1: I'm no, sorry. I, I, my, <laughs> my, my, my first wing player here um, is what I think if I were a baseball player, which I, I wasn't past, you know, elementary school, little league, I think my walk-up song would be Whiskey in the Jar by Metallica. It's got a great guitar riff yep. coming in right away. Um, yep. So that's where I'm going there with my two-guard mm-hmm. spot because that I think would be my, my walk-up song so I've got my three left right here. So I've got three. left. So, so
2: in the corn palace, we've adopted, we've adopted the Virginia tech Hokies uh, football of enter Sandman. Um, And we're fortunate we can, you know, it's uh, the, it's been a little bit, a little bit boring because there's a hundred people in the place. Um, But uh, our, you know, for an NAIA basketball program, our intro and being able to drop our banners Turn the lights off. Have spotlights flying around. We can lower our center hung scoreboard all the way down and play a video. Um, but we've gone with Enter Sandman and kind of stolen that. And then and then it kicks off into, you know, we're the Tigers, albeit the blue Tigers are the white Tigers. Um, we're definitely not the orange Tigers. Uh, but uh, then we before our tip is welcome to the jungle. So um, old school old school, metal, rock. Uh, I combine that into two for walk-up pump-ups
1: from what we do at the Corn Palace. I like it. I like it a lot. And, uh, you know, a note on that scoreboard that drops down, um, the first time I realized that was actually happening, I was standing out on the court talking to our guys, (laughs) and I kind of saw it over my right shoulder and had to <laughs> Duck drill, what the hell's going on here? The scoreboard's yeah. falling out of the ceiling. Yeah, we
2: definitely do it for a visual effect uh, to bring it down. But I'm not going to lie to you. There's there's a lot of heart racing. Like, if it doesn't go back up, we aren't playing. <laughs> like, are we're waiting right. it out? So, so the the risk reward of doing that. You can see where I live my life. I go to the Austin Powers. I also like to live dangerously. You know, like the uh, the. Uh, uh, how dumb that is of us to bring that down to risk the fact that our game wouldn't start. I can't imagine how mad you would be if that wouldn't go back up for the sake of our intro. So,
1: yep. So go yeah, ahead. I mean, I, I, get, I get, get really see. mad at visitor gyms when the, the shot clock doesn't work properly one time in a game. So you can imagine my disgust if the scoreboard just stayed on the floor at the corn <laughs> palace. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No
2: doubt. Oh, that's good. That's good. That is, that, right, is where, that is one that it, but but that is one where Bobby beach Patterson comes into play. Like I'm not a micromanager, but if that doesn't go well, I'm like, well, why did we even do it? Like, what are we doing? We look like a bunch of morons. And so my assistant coaches are the ones that are in charge of that. And the first time we did it this year was a complete debacle. And all Bobby got out <laughs> of that one was, uh, well, uh, I I can't quote it because it it's not a, you know, it's from Adam Sandler from uh, Happy Gilmore, and he's looking at his caddy, and the caddy's messing it up. And he, says he says something. He says something to his caddy right there. So anybody that knows Happy Gilmore, that was probably the quote that that came from it. So, so
1: go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. To your All next right. One. So my uh, my next wing player. This was kind of my go-to in college when I played, um, and it's one that probably a lot of people don't know unless you're into this kind of music. But it's Wait and Bleed by by Slipknot. So, um, yep, yep, you know, I, yep. I'm going to guess that you, maybe you, one or you, one you, of the you, two of you knows that song. you're a completely rage head though. You,
2: you fit that you're a, you're a, you're, I mean, the, the more bass, the more, the more, uh, the, the less hi hat, the more low bass drum action going on. Um, you're going to be, you're going to be happier. That's, that's just what that's going. That's coming from a, that's coming from a band nerd. So I know where, I know where your head's at and and what's ringing in your eardrums the right way. So, okay, right so, yep. So my, my next one is also, this was from amateur baseball and one of the greatest guys I ever played with. This was when we start. this was in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, when we were starting walk-up songs in Del Rapids for amateur baseball. And uh, the greatest guy, one of, my, one of my favorite dudes of all time, um, I can't describe him, but he's a cartoon character, um, heavier set dude beer drinking guy that has the best jokes of all time. Um, Just tremendously great jokes, lighthearted guy, always brought the beer cooler. Um, But he didn't know what his walk-up song was going to be. And we put it in there on him and he gets up to bat for the first time. And anytime you see this guy, you're probably laughing anyway, because he's just that kind of guy. And it was the theme to the good, the bad and the ugly with the whistling. So, so he's, he's standing up there. He's standing up there and that whistle comes off. And if you know the good, the bad and the ugly with Eastwood, it's the, it's the showdown. It's the noon, the gunfight. And they're looking at each other with the, do we, 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 you know, like that's going on. And, and he does it and he plays it perfectly. He steps out. We knew the pitcher, So he stared at the pitcher. And both teams, like, we had, to, we had to stop because everybody was laughing so hard. So it was a great walk-up song. It fit perfectly. So uh, I like that one, too. So that
1: made my top five. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, so my final starting five here, um, or starter in the starting five, got to go back to your first uh, your first response, Wilbs, is Back in Black by ACDC. And as a lifelong diehard Hawkeye football fan, Um, you know, that's their tunnel song at Kinnick stadium. And, um, yeah, that's, there you go. It's back. They're back in black. All right. That's awesome. Yeah, That's good. They they walk walk through the tunnel back in black and then run out onto the field, enter Sandman. That's gotta be
2: wild. That's gotta be a wild atmosphere down there. I've got, I've got some friends that are big Hawkeye fans and, and, uh, yeah, that, those, those, those things I've never been there. I have never, I've never been to Kinnick for a, for a, for a football game, but have heard wild things. So. Um, all right. My last one, uh, my last one was mine in college. Uh, uh, honorable mention before that the Augustana baseball coach is Tim Huber. And I played against him. He played at Mankato state and his was the karate kid. You're the best around. And I've I've never been able to get past that one because I've given him a hard time about it. Um, but it was his walk up song and I've never forgotten. it. And I thought, what a complete tool belt with you're the best around from the karate kid. So I've always just wrote him about it cause we're pretty good friends. So that was my honorable mention. Um, mine wasn't a real pump up one. It was me just kind of being a moron. Um, but it was Roger Miller, King of the road, you know, and it was a very lopy, let's enter the game. I was, I was a left-handed soft throwing lefty. And so, uh, And it was one of those when I'd come into the game, I was probably going to throw 90% deuces to left-handers and, uh, you know, the trailers for sale or, you know, like it was just kind of a nice and easy. I I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to incite a riot in the batter's box, maybe more of like what's going on here. I didn't need to give him more of a reason to be ready to go. So I went with Roger Miller's King of the Road,
1: kind of low key, like, Hey, I'm here. I'm here to do this. That's good. I would have liked to have seen that if there was, if, if anybody out there has video of this, I think I need to get my hands on it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't need it. Um, I, it, because in college, I, I, I had scraggly long black hair, not long, but it was like baseball players. You want to have a, a nice little weave out of the back of your hair, your hat. So, um, but if you, you see pictures of me with hair, people just don't get what's going on with it because I'm, I've been bald for so long now. If anyone
0: has any starting five ideas for us, make sure you get those into us. You can send those to Coach Figueroa or myself. Uh, find us on Twitter at BCBucketsCast or shoot us an email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, one of the things we got to do here, Coach Wilber, uh, is we have Coach Figueroa share a life rule with our audience every week. And I actually, I'm going to request a life ruling because that's what we want to call it. Uh, so I'm going to throw out a, a question and get Coach Figueres' thoughts, but Coach Wilbur, you're more than welcome to jump into and, and share your opinion on this. So, um, as our listeners may know, I am a, uh, a Chiefs fan, lifelong, of course. Although I get questioned about that now because everyone assumes you're just jumping on the bandwagon, but that's another thing. We'll worry about that later. But uh, anyway, so a buddy of mine reached out to me. He's on DraftKings, which is a an online sports betting book. And of course, I should get this out there. You know, obviously, if you are doing sports betting, do it responsibly. We don't want any of our listeners out there uh, betting their mortgage on on the bills, of course. But uh, that said, I want to get that out of the way. What I did do since I signed up on DraftKings, because my buddy sent me an invitation, they give you a free 100 to 1 odds on a $1 bet. For any bet that you want, basically, and so since I'm a Chiefs fan, I put my one dollar hundred to one bet on the Bills for today. So that way, if the Chiefs do happen to end up losing the game, I still walk out of Sunday having an okay day. So my question is: Is it okay for a fan to hedge their, you know, to hedge their fanhood on making a bet on the opposing team, or does that go completely against any kind of? bro code or fan code or whatever, uh, whatever you want to
1: call it. My ruling on this is I don't think you want to bet when your favorite team is involved, period, for a multitude of reasons. But uh, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're cheering for your team to lose. So you win a couple bucks and you don't want to make it a double whammy if you bet for your team and they lose. And then you're then you're pissed because your team lost and you lost your money. Um, So I think it's best to just steer clear of it, to be honest with you. You said that out loud, that you that you did that. Like
0: it was it was a one dollar bet. Let me let me reiterate that. I got one dollar to bet a hundred to one. So it'd be silly not to use that. So I'm using. That.
2: De, de, yep. Hey, I I'm putting it all on the Chiefs. Like I'm going. I'm like if I'm you, I'm like hey, we're riding or dying here, man. Like I'm I'm okay with like. We're 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 gonna have a very good emotional day as a fan, or a very disappointing emotional day as a fan. Um, and so, uh, I guess I can't criticize you for it. I'm impressed that you said that out loud. In case there's very, I mean, if there's diehard Chiefs fans, I would say, "Wow, dude, I can't believe you did that." It's, you know?
1: Yeah. It, I'll tell you what, Matt. If 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 Jay Wolf is listening to this, um, he might disown you as a Chiefs fan. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. If
0: if if I had if I had my own money on the line, it might be a little bit different. But I figured this was basically a free way to uh, go to bed tonight, one way or the other. At least uh, not being totally crushed. So it is what it is. But I hear you. I, I was conflicted. That's why I'm asking the
2: question. I like hearing that because I can see why you're a little bit more emotionally stable than I am because you can think ahead and do those things where I'm just riding the I'm just putting the gas pedal down and whatever consequence comes from that comes from it that's more probably you probably live a lot more stable life than I do day in and day out so I'll commend you for that
1: I don't know about that but
0: I I certainly appreciate that so (laughs) uh, last thing we got to do here is uh, give some shout outs
1: yeah I'll go first today Matt Um, just you know quick shout out to to my assistant coaches um, Brian Forbes Demetrius Martin Shane Graves um, you know, in particular, Coach Forbes and Coach Martin, now that our, uh, our road schedule of our season is done, um, the one thing that I just don't do as a head coach, and I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I'll, I'm not above doing anything, sweeping the floor, getting the balls out, anything like that, but I don't drive to road games. And so those guys do the driving all season long. And, uh, you know, we were very, really fortunate this year that we had really no issues with weather Yesterday was a little snowy and slick on the way home, but shout out to those guys for getting that done and, you know, getting us to and from games safely all year long. You know, uh, in ours, in our world, I just,
2: everybody that's made this season possible, man, that's an easy to give a shout out to um, starting with our GPAC leadership um, to the different GPAC schools. And this isn't just a political statement. Um, it, it, the uh, uh, a lot of people made an made a decision to shut their seasons down. And it was just like, Hey, we're just doing this. And this is the right thing to do. And we've made our, our institutions and our conference have made a a commitment um, to trying to play for the betterment of our schools and for the betterment of our kids. And I think we've done a great job this year of doing things safely and making sure we have a basketball season, because it would have been very easy to say, Nope, we're not doing it. So um, I appreciate Everybody that's done that, including the Briarcliff uh, administration and and school, for getting that done.
0: I'm going to give a shout out to my wife. I think I give her a shout out once a year at least, um, and she's within earshot of me right now. So I'm also trying to get some brownie points here. But uh, <laughs> shout out to my wife. The kids had to stay home from school, or they were on like a hybrid thing for a couple of weeks. She's picked up a lot of the slack throughout COVID, and not only maintaining her day-to-day full-time job responsibilities, but also helping to educate the kids and keep things going while I'm working and doing my school stuff. So huge shout out to Mallory. I appreciate everything you've you've done and hopefully we're on the backside of this COVID thing. So with that, we're going to wrap this thing up today. Uh, Coach Wilbert, we appreciate you coming on. It's always great to have you on. I think we always have our longest episodes when you're on just because uh, we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. So uh, we appreciate it. Good luck to you guys the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, hopefully if, if uh, there's any more embarrassing videos out there of you, hopefully they find their way to Mark so he can get those distributed Uh, accordingly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on guys. It's always fun, man. It's always fun. Good stuff. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.
1: Yep. Sounds good. Wilbs. Thanks again. All right. So that'll do it uh,
0: Wednesday night at the Newman Flanagan center. The women will, six o'clock the men will play at eight o'clock make sure you get down there uh, make sure you buy your tickets online if those are still available otherwise you can catch the game online so on behalf of coach Figuera and coach Wilbur this is Matt we'll talk to you next week